Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Focus in on 19 and 29. But let's begin by reading Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Amen. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Verse 16. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Verse 20, Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. It's a serious spirit. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Verse 22, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water, to destroy him. Isn't that just like the devil? But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried and out and said with tears, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand in that miracle work in God and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Verse 29, so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. How many of you ever came across one of those this kind? Sometimes it's, it's a little bit more than meets the eye. Is that right? And so in looking at today's message, if you would just 
allow me to speak to you just for a few minutes. Um, I believe that the Lord has granted us uh, a word to encourage us, to give us insight, to give us guidance, and to just show us kind of where we are in this generation. I thank God for the the last few messages that pastors have been teaching on having a right mind because it's good to have a right mind in the midst of so much chaos and confusion. It's good to have the mind of Christ. It's good to have a mind that's encouraged even during discouraging times, a mind of faith even when it seems like faith is put being put on the back burner. So I thank God for having such a mind. But today's topic, I want to leave in your hearing a faithless generation, a faithless generation. But in looking at today's message, uh, a faithless generation, we're going to dig deeper into our, our background scripture and our um, just our overall topic for today. Mark 9 and 19, he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Mark 9 and 29. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Many of us may have heard the term that we're living in unprecedented times. In fact, I've used that quite a bit because we are living in some times in the natural that we've never done, that we've never seen, that we've never experienced. Uh, I, I, I can't recall many times where we've had um, illness that, that's airborne, that you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going, you don't know what the capabilities of that illness is. I, I, I don't remember a time of that. I, I, I know that my, my mother and my father dealt a lot with um, inequalities and, and, and were... were uh, a result of, or I should say, had felt the impact of Jim Crow laws, but I didn't experience that. So for me, that's unprecedented. It's unprecedented to see the differences in race relationships in this hour. It's new for me in one sense. I may have thought it was there, but I've never seen it so blatantly open as it is right now. And for that, we call those unprecedented times for our eyes. But while that may be true for some in our generation as it relates to dealing with the pandemic and wars and rumors of wars, social inequality and being in the midst of those whose hearts are waxing cold, uh, biblically speaking, these are familiar times. They're well known. The Bible recognizes them. Turn with me to Mark Excuse me, to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to look at verse 6. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. And it reads, Matthew warns us that, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famous pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Notice that Matthew lets us know that 
pestilence, if you will, is noted as being a disease or a plague or pandemic or a virus. But Matthew said, but don't don't be troubled. Now, don't, don't start to get in trouble in your mind and don't start to be frightened. He said, because for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And he goes on to say, nation will rise against nation. In other words, people and groups of people and ethnic groups and tribes will, will be at war with each other. As I said earlier, I hadn't seen it before like I see it now, but it's almost like the Bible is right there just right before our eyes. It's, it's really an exciting time more than it is anything else. And he goes on to say, and kingdom against kingdom. What are you saying? You're saying national leaders will be against national leaders. Those in authority will, will be against each other, whether it's on a local level, a state level, a national level. Uh, 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 in other words, that leaders that should be leading the work is at odds with each other. Kingdoms against kingdom. But he said, don't be troubled now. For all these things must come to pass. But he gives us something in there. He says, but the end is not yet. In other words, we still have the gift of time that's working on our behalf. Time to get things right. Y'all don't want to talk. Time to pray a little bit more. Time to build our faith up. Time to worship some more. Time to sow some more seeds. He said, don't you worry. Don't get trouble. He says, because the end is not yet. In other words, but these things have to come to pass. Somebody said, these are the best of times. And some would say that these are the worst of times. But I'll say that these are God's time. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's orchestrating. He knows that every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that he's the Lord. And so whatever it takes to get us to the place that we need to be, let God's will be done. We know that when we're living in this hour, that the thing that influences us the most has a tendency to to weigh on us. It has a tendency to cause us to act a certain way and to to think a certain way and to interact a certain way. And we know that when the Lord is not in control and when he's not in charge, that man has a way of dealing with things, right? And man's way is not God's way. And when man can't figure out a solution, they just start pulling on whatever they can find, right? Whatever it takes to get man what man wants to do, man is willing to do that. That's not influenced by God. Man can be influenced by selfishness and pride. And again, we see it. Deceit, trickery, rebellion, hatred. Man will pull on whatever man has to pull on to get what man wants. But God. And, and, and if we look on in, in Scripture, in Matthew 24 and 12, it reads about, talks about lawlessness, that being unrighteousness, transgressing against God's law, twisted, wicked thinking. Let's look at Matthew 24 and 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
looks like the generation that is not loving like they should. They don't have any emotions. You know, if you put that phone in front of you long enough, you get so disconnected with society and disconnected to people. When you come out of that phone system, you don't even know how to help say hello. You don't know how to interact. It, 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 can, it can pull on you. I don't know about you. It can pull on me, right? And so that, that, the work that goes into building relationships and, and interacting with people, uh, it's easy to just go to that phone and send you a text message. Or, or it is, it's easier to just message you. You know how we communicate in this hour. It's easy to put a little social media blast out. But, but to actually interact and have a conversation is getting difficult. The Bible lets us know that the love of many will begin to grow cold, lacking affection, lacking warmth. I don't know about you, but I can put up with a lot of different things from people, but if you uh, have a loving nature, your skill set can be down. Your ability to accomplish things can be down. But if you're loving, if you're teachable, you're going to go places in life. And isn't it interesting how the... In this twisted thinking that we would want to pull that away from people. We want to be to ourselves. We want to be isolated. We want to know it's our way or no way. But God knows that's what's really going to cause us to be able to grow and to advance is that we got to go back to his love. Loneliness can be so subtle at times that it can cause us to put our confidence in man rather than in God. Again, Matthew reminds us in Matthew 6 and 33. We're going to go back to the text, but look at Matthew 6 and 33 very quickly. Some of you know it by heart. But it says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, Matthew says you've got to crave God, young people, middle-aged folks season folks we've got to crave God in this generation like we've never craved him before now some of y'all may not know that much about craving but I'm gonna tell you when I want me some chocolate I want some chocolate I'm just rummaging through the pantry and turning over stuff I, I, I just want some right then right now I don't really care if it's old or not I don't like what to be too white looking you know what I'm saying when it ain't supposed to be white but if I'm craving it I'm going to get it I'm going after you'll get up out of the bed and go get something when you crave it long enough, right? But will we get up out of the bed and seek the face of God? Will we get up out of bed and pray? Will we get up out of bed and worship God? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, want to please God. You know, when you put God first, no matter what goes on in your life, your goal is to please him. So that means that everything else becomes secondary. You know, I love you, but if you're going to cause me to step out of the will of God, I'm going to have to put you over to the side because I know that he is my healer. I know that God saved me from my sins. I know that God delivered me. I know that he made me whole. And if it causes me to lose him other than lose you, then, you know, we're going to have to talk. We're going to have to talk. Because I understand the power of God. I understand what it means to be in bondage. I understand what that brother was that was over in the, in the tomb that, that was so bound up in his mind that he lost his identity. I understand what that means. And so we have to put God first. 
And when we put God first, we begin to love on him like never before. Matthew 22, 37 and 40. Matthew 22, 37 and 40. And it reads, Then Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Could it be that we're having a hard time loving our neighbor because we're having a hard time loving our God? Could it be that we can't allow our moods and attitudes to get under control enough that we can love folks unconditionally, that we can love them in their hurt, that we can love them in their pain, that we can have grace upon them, that we desire them to have grace upon our lives? But you know, God, he has a way of teaching us about that type of love. Is that right? He has a way. Let's go back over to the text on today, Mark chapter 9. I, I, I wanted to establish what, what the generation is looked like and because in this particular, um, in these scriptures, the Lord has deemed this as being a faithless generation. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want man to call me faithless, but I sure don't want the Lord to call me faithless. Mark 9 and 19, and it reads, He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. What was he saying? He says, you are an untrustworthy generation. You don't, you don't believe. You don't have the Christian faith that you need to have. You may have faith in your ability. You may have faith in your job. You may have faith in your relationship. But the Christian faith that you need to operate in this hour is lacking. He called them a faithless generation, not to be trusted. Now, you know we got to work on that. We don't ever want the Lord to call us a faithless generation. And he goes on to say, he says, How long shall I be with you and how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And we know as we were reading in, in the passage of scriptures in Mark 9 and 14, we know that we saw where this man had brought his son who had been dealing with this um, sickness, uh, this illness, this uh, demonic influence for so long. And at that time, it was just a parent in crisis. How many of you know that there's sometimes parents get in crisis? And so this man, he, he had been seeking help. And, and so as Jesus approached the situation, he noticed that he saw a lot of people gathered around his disciples. And so the disciples are different than the multitude because the disciples are those who actually had taught, had studied under Jesus. Those were the ones who were walking close to Jesus. Those who were the ones who had denied themselves and, and chose to follow after him. So the disciples were those who, who knew God. Who knew his word? How many disciples do we have in this place that you know you've been walking with God for a long time? You've been hearing the word. You've been applying the word. You can articulate the word. You can pray over folks. You can trust God for, for their behalf. You, you, you're known as the disciples. 
disciples. And so the man noticed, as well as Jesus, that his disciples was there. You know, when we go places now, folks notice when the saints there. Don't play. You know, you know, uh, what that church, what, they, what church they go to? Oh, they go to Pastor Dodd's church. They go to Bishop's church. You know, they recognize the disciples. Sometimes we try to go undercover. Sometimes we try to put our shades on and our coat and our hat right. We don't want everybody to know. But you know that you know folk recognize the, the saints. It's a quiet one, Jesus. I'm glad you hear me. And so he, he, he recognized the disciples, and so he, he had his son there, and he had been, his son had been dealing with something for so long, and, and he asked the disciples, can you help me? Oh, my, my, my. How many times do people come our pathway, and, 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 and they're asking for help, and, and rather than us giving them the word, oh, my God, rather than us praying for them, rather than us bringing them to, to get help, we begin to give them our advice. We begin to tell them way too much of the wrong story and not give them the good news. So the man says, you know what? I, I, I went to them, but uh, they could not get him out. And so I brought him to you, Jesus. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation. Jesus said, now I've been teaching, I've been preaching, you've seen the miracles, you've seen me lay hands on the sick, you've seen me feed multitudes with a little of nothing, you've seen demons cast out, you've seen lives being changed. Well, what's going on? What, why, why are we not having the faith that we need to get this man out of crisis with his son? And he goes on to say, how long shall I bear with you? It was as if Jesus was stating, I'm here and I'm giving you my word. And when someone needs you to put my word into action, you, you don't seem to be mature enough to, to get results. Ouch. I, now I know why the disciple talked to Jesus in private later. Because Jesus wasn't playing. He said, oh, whoa, 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 you know the word. You, 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 you've taught the word. You, you've confessed the word. Some of us have even preached the word. He said, but, but this man needed help, and, and you couldn't put my word into action enough to get this boy delivered. He said, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Look at the father. You ever had them bring him to me moments? Yeah. He said, you, you bring him right on to me. And then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. I don't know if you know, but demons recognize the power of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. They recognize when, when the presence of God is in the place. And, and you say, well, I don't, I don't want to talk about no demons. I, I don't want to talk about them evil. Let's just call them evil influence. Is that all right? You know, them dark thoughts, them, 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 them things that come into your mind that's contrary to the word of God, that's contrary to the will of God. You know, those things that cause you to walk out of the righteousness of God into your own righteousness. You know, you know, you, 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 okay. It's quiet, Jesus. I'm glad you're with me, though. So he goes on to say, when the, when the demon recognized and they responded, 
Isn't it amazing how when demons recognize the presence of God, you get a response? Yeah. The spirit convulsed him. And the baby fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, he said, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Mm, That's a long time. That's a long time for a daddy to see their baby in distress. That's a long time for sleepless nights when you don't know what's happening with your baby, if they're going to make it or, or not. That's a long time for crying and pleading and, and hoping that the, the baby is not going to harm himself or that thing, whatever is bothering him, is not going to take him out. I remember um, with our oldest child, she was a child then, y'all. She was our baby. But I remember when she was young, and, and, and I mean, she was probably 18 months or so, and, and she would spike these high temperatures. And, and you know, I, I was the new mama. I was waiting on a book that nobody gave me of how to be a mama. And thank God that she had a real good auntie close by to kind of help out in between times. But she would spike these high temperatures. And she would just cry and cry and just a squealing crying. And, 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 and all, every so often she would pull on her ears. But you know how it is when your baby is crying, you ain't looking at pulling on no ears. You ain't looking at nothing. You're just like something is wrong, right? And eventually uh, it had almost gotten to the point, thank God for grace and mercy. But it had gotten to the point where she wasn't talking. She was just, you know, she was happy when she was happy. But when that temp got high, it was like a totally different child. So I can't imagine how this man was feeling, but I know how we were feeling, not knowing what was going on with our child. And eventually it got to the point that it was a very, very bad ear, ear situation, ear infection, and she had to have surgery in her ears. And it's amazing how that little bitty surgery to put tubes in her ears totally changed the child that we knew. Now she was talking, now she was laughing, now she was happy. But I, I can only imagine when a parent get in distress, I know, I know children, you don't understand that yet, but when your baby is in distress, it does something to you. And so the man said he, he's been this way from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. I can only imagine what it must have looked like to have something take over your child's body and to begin to throw them in water and throw them in fire with the intent of destroying them. Oh, you ain't playing with nothing small right here now. This thing has the capability of of just taking over this child. The child that you love, the child that you you burped on your shoulder, the child that you stayed up at night with, the child that you raised, that the child that you you watched at the little league game, the child that you you know you went to the Girl Scout with, the child that you helped with the homework. But now this thing has invaded this child's body or has been in his body for so long, and it's literally trying to destroy. So the, the man, he came to Jesus, and he says, but if you can do anything, 
have compassion. Mm. Jesus had identified the need of this man in Mark 9 and 17 by allowing us to listen in on their conversation. He brought the child to Jesus who had a mute spirit, a speechless. The baby was nonverbal, not able to use words to express his thoughts or, or feelings. I've had the pleasure of working with children in our, in our school system, and I had the pleasure of being in their presence of the babies that are nonverbal, that rely on total care of someone else. The babies that don't get up and walk, they don't get up and talk. They just enjoy hearing your sound. And, and you've moved up in society when they can recognize your voice and they laugh when you come by. Oh, that's something else right there, isn't it? Babies that are speechless, that are nonverbal. But as, as he began to go before Jesus, He said to him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Isn't that like a good parent? He said, if you can do anything, Jesus, just have compassion on us. And and, and if you can just help us. And we know that based upon the text that how that spirit would overtake that baby and cause him to foam at the mouth and gnash his teeth and become so rigid. But the dad said, if you, if you can just do anything, have compassion. Isn't it amazing how when the baby is whole, the parent is whole? And when the baby is broken, the parent is broken. Isn't it amazing when the baby is doing good, when the child is doing good, the parent is at their happiest moment? But when the child is in distress, a good parent, the parent is in distress. Oh, man. We ain't going to be no faithless generation. We're going to be a generation that trusts God. We're going to be a generation that's faithful to God despite what we're going through. But Jesus, he spoke to him and he, and he after he cast out the, the evil spirit, it, it appeared that the, the baby had just died. But if we look at in verse 23, and I know y'all trying to follow along, but y'all know me in this worksheet. It ain't working for me. I have to just keep rolling with it. We applaud pastor because I I just go on with the text, right? And he said, he, he said from childhood and he has thrown him into the fire to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, Look at that faithful generation. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but but help my unbelief. I just want to work with that a little bit there because there are many times when I believe, but sometimes (laughs) that unbelief will kind of creep in together. And you say, how can you believe and have unbelief? But apparently they must be true. Because this father said, Lord, I believe, 
but I need you to help me. I need you to give me some relief with this unbelief that I got going on. Because sometimes you are you are trying to trust God and believe God for the impossible, but instead you realize that there is some unbelief that would cause you to wonder in your mind if God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Is God going to get me completely out of debt? Is God going to pay that church off? Is God going to give me my heart's desire? Will I marry the man that I've been praying for and I've been seeking the face for? God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I don't know about you, but I, I, I appreciate having a God that I can come both ways. I appreciate having a God that even though I may be dealing with something in my body, I said, Lord, I trust you, I believe, but but I got something working on the inside of me. I got something on the inside of me that would suggest that I have some unbelief, but you are a God that you don't stop at my unbelief, that you are a God that you can bring deliverance, you can bring relief, you can bring support, not only to my belief, God, but you can touch my unbelief. Glory, glory, glory. Jesus said, if you can believe, ah, now, if you can have faith, mm, if you can have confidence, mm, if you can trust me above everything else, you better grab on to this believe thing. If you can, if you can put me first above everything else, if you can trust my word, if you can trust me even when you can't always trace me, if you can just trust who I am, if you can just trust the power that I come with, if you just know who I am, if you can trust the glory that comes along with my name and the power that comes with my name, he says all things are possible to him who believes. I had to pull on that thing now. Because some things, it look like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I can believe. I, got, I can trust you. And then some things I say, well, ooh, Jesus, help me. He said, but all things are possible. In other words, there are no limits. Hey, God is able to do just what he says he would do. If you are believing God to excel in your studies this year, God can do it. If you believe that you're trusting the system, that when you turn your kids loose, that they're going to be protected, that they're going to be educated, God said, I can do it. If you're trusting God for that promotion, if you're trusting God for that career choice, God said, I can, I can do it. If you're trusting God that he's going to cause uh, all of your bills to be, to just go away, to be seized, to be paid in full, God said, I, I can do it. If, you, if you're trusting God that if you give, it's going to be given unto you that good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over, men going to give back to you, he said, I, I can do it. But it comes with, if you believe. We ain't not going to be a faithless generation, but we're going to be a believing generation. We're going to be a, a generation that is faithful. I noticed when, when Jesus walked up on the situation, what the atmosphere was like. It was a lot of people that were gathered around the disciples, and the scribes were disputing with the disciples. You know, a lot of things happening around us. People will come around and they're saying this and they're saying that. And sometimes we get caught up in those conversations. I know sometimes, I can't say we. I know sometimes I get caught up in that conversation. 
and I want to put my two cents in, and I want to say, and it's this, and it's that, and, and all the rest, right? But we got to make sure we keep our mind on Christ. We got to make sure that we keep our mind on the healer, on the deliverer. We got to make sure that our faith is where it needs to be because the things that we talk about, we really might need to be putting our faith in action to cause something different to happen. He said, if you can believe all things. He said, he didn't didn't cut one thing off, all things. He said, all all things. I ain't got to pick and choose. All things are possible. To him who believes. But I have to go a little bit further as I close. Because Jesus commanded the deaf and dumb spirit to come out of him. I'm telling y'all, I'm trying to stay close to the, to the, I just can't do it. I got to practice when I, I was practicing too, but it ain't working for me. So I'm going to go back to the text. So he says that, um, somebody said, what is she talking about? I'm talking, I'm talking about the people who are trying to flip on that paper and find me. And they probably ain't found me. But he said, he went on to say that as he, he talked to him, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Many times we think our dreams and our vision is dead. We think the promise that God made us is dead. We think living that happily ever after is dead. We think that being financial free is dead. We think having that happy home is dead. But God came by to tell you that when he puts his hands on it and he lifts it up, oh, it has to rise up. There's no doubt about it. It has to get up. But notice in verse 28, when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately. And they said, now, you know what? Jesus has been in rare form today. We're not going to ask him this question publicly. Because he done already told us about ourselves. He done called us faithless and said, how long are you going to continue to bear with you? You ever had him come and say, you like, Pastor, can I? Because he ain't private. Can we talk about something? If I had them conversations kind of often, I said, hey, babe, can we talk about something? In private, me and you. Because you don't know what the answer going to be. You know, hey, can we, can we just talk about something? When he had come into the house, his disciple asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? We know your word, God. We've been praying. We've been seeking your face. We know what you're capable of doing. But why is it we couldn't cast it out? But notice what he said. And this will help a faithless generation become a faithful generation. He said to them that this come out by nothing but prayer and Oh, prayer and fasting? You know, one thing about prayer is prayer 
when you're really seeking the face of God and you're really seeking God for answers, you know, sometimes we come to God, we already got the answers. We just trying to get God to co-sign. I'm, I'm not really sure if you call that prayer or not. We just we do a check-in. Can we call it a check-in? We checking in, God. We already got this, you know, going here now. We just want you to kind of co-sign on it, but we we already we done we done made this decision right here. Then we you know, okay. But when we really and truly pray, and when we really seek God, and 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 we're open, and our heart is is open to whatever God is saying, and we're saying that not my will, but Your will is done. And I don't really know what the outcome is going to be, God, but I'm I'm asking You to give me guidance, give me direction. Tell me what to say. Tell me what not to say. When we're asking God and petitioning God and we have our ear open and we have our heart open so that God can speak back to us, things can happen on our behalf. He says that this thing, this, some of this stuff, is, it's only going to come out in our lives if we pray and we fast. Because sometimes God will speak, but because our flesh can get so in the way, our will can get so in the way, Sometimes we got to push that plate back. You don't want to don't want to talk, right? I don't like to push that plate back too. I love food. I'm trying to get a healthy relationship with food, but I tell you food is good, right? And because I love food, sometimes I don't want to push that plate back like I need to. But God said if if we're going to become a faithful generation, a generation that trusts him, a generation that seeks after him, a generation that will, will, will know that he has all power and that he's capable of doing all things. He said some of this stuff in our lives is, nothing, is not going to come out but by prayer and fasting. See, fasting will break your will. Yeah, now, fasting will break your will now. It may not be a four-hour fast. Y'all know, skip breakfast. It may not be a five or six hour fast. We skip breakfast and lunch. It may take us a little further. But when we pray and when we fast, things will happen in our lives. And even our children, you said, are you telling the children that they need to go to school fasting and praying? Honey, I can't tell you what to tell your children in this hour. I can just tell your children that they're going to be faced with some things that they've never been faced with before. And they need to be able to hear God. They need to be able to hear the, 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 the voice of God in whatever situation that they're dealing with. But as a parent, we've got to pray and fast even the more if we want things to happen. you seeking God for that relationship, pray and fast. you seeking God for that promotion, pray and fast. You're seeking God for that, that career opportunity, that business opportunity, praying fast. Because he has already promised to us. He said all things are possible to him that believe. In reading today's text, it lets me know that regardless of what we see from day to day, God's miracle work and power is still available. It might require something more than just thinking about Jesus when it's convenient, but understand that our God is still a miracle worker. God desires for us to be a faithful generation. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. 
And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.